This is SportsCenter. Christine Lisi. At least it's only game one for the Dodgers. Lefty Clayton Kershaw didn't make it out of the of the first inning in the opener of the National League Divisional Series versus the Diamondbacks. Six runs, one out recorded. Kershaw, whose postseason struggles have been well documented, one of four pitchers ever to allow six plus runs while recording one out or less in playoff history. Arizona took game one 11-2. Game two's tomorrow. College football just taking the number 17 Miami would walk away with a win. Instead, Hurricanes ran a play with under a minute to go, fumbled the ball, Georgia Tech recovered, and had a chance to pull off a late shocker. Five seconds to go. He will toss it into the end zone at the five. Larry into the end zone. Touchdown, Jackets. Touchdown, Jackets. One second left. Question, Larry. What did we just witness? The call on the Georgia Tech Sports Network, Yellow Jackets won at 23-20. A trio of touchdown runs for Caleb Williams before running for a two-point conversion in the third overtime. Ninth-ranked USC stopped Arizona's final attempt in a 43-41 win. Number 10, Notre Dame's 33-30, rather, game regular season ACC winning streak snapped at the hands of number 25, Louisville, 33-20. NFL Bills pass rusher Von Miller, Rams receiver Cooper Cup, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, all set to make their respective season debuts today. Miller coming from an ACL injury expected to play against the Jags in London. Cup returning from a calf injury against the Eagles. And Taylor playing one day after signing a three-year extension. He'll go against the Titans. Hey, it's Greeny, and you can't ask more of a sports weekend than this. Major League Baseball's Division Series. All the football, college, and pro, and we'll be the place to catch you up on all of it first thing Monday morning. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on the show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life, it happens in sports, and I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host. Rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, we're here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. here on the Sports Psychology Hour talking about the mental side of sports. Hope you enjoy the show, and our shows are podcasted everywhere here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. My website, winnersunlimited.com, all the major podcast apps. And love doing this show. I'm in my 23rd year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, my 33rd year of radio. And we talk about your mind. We talk about focus. We talk about sportsmanship, attitudes, winning and losing, success and failure. 
the mental aspect of sports, coaching. And I've been fortunate enough to have worked in my 43rd year of work with athletes at all levels, from the youth youth sport to the professional and Olympic levels. I was the one of the first sports I caught some baseball at the Kansas City Royals in 1990, as well again from 2008 to 2011. I was USA Cycling Olympic Team Psychologist back in the 80s for eight years. For, as far as sports psychologist at the University of Kansas, I've co-authored a book with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone called Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through sports. And I love doing what I do because the, the whole focus of my work is helping people get better, deal with things work on their mindset, their attitude, their focus, their sportsmanship, their confidence. Yeah, confidence. That that word that seems to mean everything because it's the foundation of all of it. I talk about four key words a lot, preparation, focus, attitude, confidence, and confidence is the foundation. And, you know, um, one of the things that I observe a lot, hear a lot, working with all kinds of athletes is what kind of a role coaches have and how the role mental health plays with athletes and one of the one of the things that i see all the time here all the time is how lots of coaches don't understand the mental aspect as well as i think they should now most coaches coach because they're wonderful people they want to help people they want to teach they want to guide they want to work with the athletes but then there's there's a small group who don't get it it's about their egos it's about you know witness and and i'm talking more at the youth and high school level than anything else and it's where damage gets done to these athletes you know we've seen in the last few years Athletes talk about why mental health is so important. We've seen why, how you feel, how you're doing psychologically, emotionally, ends up playing such a key role. And this past week, Simone Biles won another world championship in gymnastics. One of the most incredible athletes ever to, to be an at, to, to compete in any sport. But what's interesting to me about her especially is how she pulled out of the Olympics because she had the twisties and that's where mentally and physically she doing her vault she was uh, and, and she was criticized heavily for this you run down that runway hit that springboard go over that that horse that pommel horse and you flip around in the air you got to land the right way or you could break your neck she was not comfortable so she pulled out of the Olympics for a while. Now here she is winning another world championship. Why? Because mentally she's pulled herself together. And that's attributable to her, the coaches that work with her. I know she, there were sports psychologists on staff at the Olympics as, as I was back in 1984. And you've seen now how mental health has become so well accepted for athletes. I know when I first started working, people didn't want to deal with it. In fact, I interviewed here in the Kansas City area at four of the local colleges. Nobody was interested in hiring me. They 
poo-pooed it, to say it in the mildly one athletic director said he didn't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft at which point i I left there thinking what in god's name is going through that man's mind anyway mental health has become so much more important we've seen with the exposure from michael phelps kevin love naomi osaka simone biles amongst many others why mindsets are so important so where do coaches fall into this this whole process you know coaches are trained to design plays to run an offense run a defense how how to swing a golf club how to hit a tennis ball but how much are coaches taught about the mental aspect of things and i know it's early in the show but i want to open up our phone lines and i'd like to hear from you if you're a coach are you trained about mental health are you trained about how to deal with an athlete's self-confidence or lack thereof are you given instructions as you as you go through coaching training about how to deal with athletes who are overly stressed overly anxious you know last night in the national league playoffs clayton kershaw who i'm sure will end up in the hall of fame had the worst outing of his life. Every batter he faced in the first inning got on base. And the Dodgers were pummeled by the Diamondbacks 10-2. to You know, Kershaw's a very proud man, but he's had a history of not pitching well in the playoffs. And he just got destroyed in the opening inning. He was taken out to booze in L.A. You know, he has a history of this issue. He's pitched with injuries this year, and it's all taken its toll. Dodger Stadium was wild and crazy before the game, and then there was this incredible silence and booing going on. So how does Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, help him do the Dodgers? I know the Dodgers have mental health people working with them. You know, not that Kershaw would talk to them or not, but at the same time, you know, how do you deal with this type of pressure? The expectations. He allowed five runs before recording it out in, in the playoff game. First pitcher to ever do that. How's he going to handle that emotionally? Especially with the history he has of not pitching well in the playoffs. A guy who's an incredible pitcher, but in the playoffs just doesn't do it. So the mental side of sports how your mindset plays a role and how that's worked with by coaches to me is so important. So I'd like to open up our phone lines. If you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you. How important is mental training for you in terms of working with your athletes, in terms of helping them deal with pressure and stress and anxiety? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, do you have education psychologically do you have education in terms of how do you help an athlete deal with with their self-confidence how do you help an athlete deal with failure how do you help an athlete deal with losing what do you do when they screw up how do you help them cope with that so i'd like to hear from you if you're a coach what do you what do you say to your team when they're not playing well and do you feel that coaches should have 
training or education from a psychological perspective as a coach. You know, a lot of people in youth sports will coach their kids' team. Well, they 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 need a soccer coach because there's nobody for the first grade soccer team. So a dad who played some soccer says, I'll do it. Maybe he's got an anger problem. Maybe he gets angry at the kids really easily. Maybe he knows about soccer, but doesn't know how to handle the emotional side. You know, we talk on this show, and I've talked about it forever, about how athletes can get hurt so easily by a coach who, quite frankly, doesn't have the right training mentally. So if you're a coach, do you go through mental health training to coach? Is that part of your training, your, your, your instruction that you're given? Or do you just go in, hey, I, you know, I go through a coaching seminar about how to design plays, how to run an offense, how to, how to run a defense, but do you have training about athletes are dealing with stress, they're dealing with anxiety, they're dealing with pressure? Most often not. You know, and, and when I started doing this 43 years ago, basically nobody had heard of a sports psychologist. And now we have people involved in mental training all over the place, all the way down from sports psychologists to mental training experts. There's a whole gamut and range of people working in this field, which is great. And I think it's it's every team should have somebody available to help out. It's not just with how to focus under pressure, but how to deal with losing, how to deal with failure, how to deal with mistakes. And, you know, coaches can make a big impact on that if they have that training as well. So I'd like to open up our phone lines. We're going to go to our first break here in a few minutes. But I'd like to open up our phone lines and get get some calls in here. If you're a coach, do you have training from the psychological side? Or should there be a requirement that coaches get some training? doesn't be a massive thing, but to get an understanding of how to deal with the athletes are coaching when they fail, when they screw up. You know, most businesses now have mental health consultants available within the company to help their athletes out. But should we have, at least coaches have some understanding and training of this, you know, confidence is such an easy thing to lose and destroy for kids. And I've seen it throughout my years and years of work as a sports psychologist. I have so many young people that come into my office who have had coaches who have basically destroyed them psychologically. There is a swim coach here in town who told I had at three teenage girls who he told were cancers to the team told them they were cancers to the team because they didn't like their attitude two of them quit one stuck it out and switched to another team when I called this coach to speak to him he refused to speak to me didn't want to deal with it because the parents told the coach from one girl that I'd be calling him wanted to talk about how he dealt with these girls refused to speak to me ultimately he destroyed that team and, and left town 
I think there needs to be an understanding of these things if you're a coach. So I'd like to open up our phone lines. If you're a coach, do you have mental training, psychological training? Should you? Should it be some kind of a requirement for coaches, especially at the youth and high school level? Because let's face it, kids who play youth sports and high school sports can have their whole demeanor destroyed by what a coach says and does to them. So I'd like to know about the phone. Let's get some calls in here. If you're a coach, our phone number is 913-3810-810. If you're an athlete and you've had a coach who's done things or said things to you that's hurt you, destroyed you psychologically, caused you to quit the sport, why, what happened, how'd you handle it, how do they handle it? Once again, 913 is our number. Let's get some calls in here. We'll go to our first break. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHP. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHP here in Kansas City. And today's topic, which I brought up as we uh, went into our first break, is what kind of training should coaches have from a psychological perspective when they coach. And I'd love to hear from you if you're if you coach, and it doesn't matter what level you coach at, it could be all the way up to the professional level, from youth sports all the way up. Do you have training mentally? Do you have psychological training? Do you have training about how to help your kids deal with confidence, with with mindsets? Or is that just something you just take for granted? Our phone number here is 913-3810-810. Love to get some calls in here if you coach. I'd love to hear from athletes who've had coaches who on either end of the spectrum with that. They've been great with them psychologically and mentally, helping them deal with their mindset and stress and pressure. And yet I'd like to hear, and I know they're out there, people who've had coaches who were awful and destroyed their confidence and self-focus. And, you know, we talk about that on this show. I have people that come in my office all the time with these issues. Once again, 913-3810 is the number. If you're a coach, should you have mental training, psychological training, or do you just take what you grew up with and assume that's going to be what you need? You know, I've worked with so many coaches throughout my career and one of the things I've noticed from so many of them is that the ones who seem to have a, a good grounding with themselves have a better way of handling the athletes they coach. And yet the ones whose egos are really big end up hurting a lot of kids they coach because it becomes more about them than the kids they're coaching. I'm sorry, 913 a 10 is the number. All right, my producer, Cavell, let's talk about this. Get you jumped, jump in here. Okay. You played sports. You're coaching kids. What do you think about what I'm bringing up today? I think it it resonates big time for me because, you know, we've talked. I graduated from Ruskin. and That's Ruskin High School here in Kansas City. Yep, Ruskin High School. And Smith Hill is the middle school before Ruskin. And Smith Hill used to win all the games, undefeated. Like, the school shut down, but somebody snuck into the building and took some pictures, and those banners are still up from those winning teams. So those same guys, you know, less than a mile away, go to the high school, and 
the teams were bad. And, you know, when I, when I got there to play, the coaches were more interested in yelling, bashing. See, me, like, I'm the most humble guy I know. I'm one of the most humble guys I know. That's, can, can we quote you on that on the radio? <laughs> yes, yes. Not a lot of people may, you know, say that sentiment about me, but, but I'm confident. And even then, it was like those coaches were trying to break my confidence, were trying to humble me to, you know, like, what is it, tear me down to build me up? I don't need tearing down. Just let me, you know, like, and, and not just me, but a lot of the players on the team, you know, they, they would rather than coach up and say, this is why this happened, or you can do better with this, or how do you feel about this? It was just more you're being a blank or stop being a blank. You, you know what I mean? If that well, makes but sense. Well, that's, that's, but that's where good coaches – understand that every athlete's different yeah and good coaches know there are some athletes you have to challenge and push mm-hmm. and there's some athletes you have to have to be careful how you say things same with management well it's life yeah yeah i mean it doesn't matter you know t- teachers are the same way for you sure know, you know there's there's some kids you can they'll do poorly on a test and they get depressed and down the dumps because they're scared to go home and tell their parents and then you have some that they do poorly on a test and they'll challenge themselves to do better because the parents are like, hey, I just want you to try. Yeah. So teachers, you know, teachers have to be psychologists, too, yeah. in their own in their own manner. So that's where I think the key thing is what, you know, I'd like to like to see we can get some coaches to call up today and see what they think about this, because I, I think really, really good coaches have a grounding within themselves and they understand, you know, what they say, what they, how they coach, how they instruct and guide, plays a huge role in the athletes they're working with mindset and attitude, and it affects how they are as a person. Yeah, you know. So, so did you? I know you've had all kinds of coaches, and you you've been coach. Have you, as a coach, <clears throat> have you seen other coaches just? Destroying kids on the other team. Yeah. Like, what What have you noticed? So on other teams, I can go back to my coaching basketball days. There were, you know, like, AAU basketball. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> I'm not sure you have. It gets intense. Yes. And, you know, a lot of the coaches, you know, they, they live vicariously through these players. You know, things that they wish they accomplished or – Life at home isn't fun or happy. The only thing they have feel they have control of over is their team. So then they kind of project their own, you know, what their goals are, what they want to happen in spite of the players. So, you know, I think, you know, what's one of the things that's wrong with youth sports, youth sports is there's not an emphasis on developing. There's not an emphasis from a player coming from this type of player to this type of player. It is. Well, I think that, excuse me, I think that depends on the organization and the coach because I think a lot of youth sports organizations are focused on developing. Yeah. But a lot of it comes down to the coaches who are coaching the kids. Well, people can't see my air quotes. Developing. You know, well, yeah. They want to get them payments in and let's win so we look good. Well, and that, yeah. So. You know, Herm Edwards is famous, the NFL player and coach. You play to win the game. Well, in the NFL, yes, you play to win the game. Mm -hmm. But for 
sixth graders, you know, you play, you, you'd like to win, mm-hmm. but you, you play to go out there and have fun and get better. Yeah. And I think that's where the role of a coach comes in as a guide, as a developer, a, you know, a psychologist. Coaches have to, good coaches, I found, have a, a, a mental training understanding. You know, they have a psychological understanding of, you have a team, uh, take a baseball team. Youth baseball team's got about 16 kids, 17 kids on it. All right. You're going to have, and, and you're going to have some kids on that team who are going to be extremely confident and cocky and, and really, really good. You're going to have some kids that are, they're, they're okay, but they need to get better. And then you're probably going to have two or three that aren't very good. Okay. And the ones that aren't very good, you're going to lose if you don't spend time with them, working with them on their attitude and their confidence and their focus and their development. Yeah. And that's what I see with a lot, what I hear and see from a lot of youth sports organizations is lots of kids, you know, the dropout rate in youth sports is by age 12, it's like six, 70, 80%. It's huge. And different studies show different percentages, but it's, it's, you know, way high up there. Because, and, and you, sorry. But, no, but go ahead. in a lot of those situations, kids are introduced to politics early and same thing with coaches and parents explaining how politics works if you're a point guard and you go play for a team for you know a guy that coaches his son and he wants him to be a point guard you know you can't just be a little better than him you know you you have to be a lot better than him or you have to be able to play other positions as well and that's just kind of how it works. You hit it right on the head because, it, you know, when, when the coach is coaching his or her son or daughter, um, not all the time, but a lot of the time, yeah. that favorite stuff is played. Mm-hmm. The coach's child gets to be the, you know, the point guard, the quarterback, the the starting pitcher. Yeah. And a lot of time because they're, they're the best player. Yeah. But a lot of time it's because... The coach plays those favorites, and that's where the whole mindset starts to come in. You know, we haven't had any calls yet. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear if you're a coach. Do you get mental training in terms of how to coach your kids psychologically? Do you think that should be something that should be implemented in coaching training programs? You know, self. I mean, I I think how you coach self confidence is. To me, should be the foundation of everything, because let's face it, you know, in our in our book, just let them play. Guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through sports. Our fourth chapter is embracing failure can lead to fun, and we're all going to fail. God knows I've done it enough. We're all going to fail a lot in the things we do, but what do you do when you fail? When you strike out? When you miss shoot an air ball? When you? Throw an incomplete pass, or you drop a pass, or you double fault, or hit your golf ball into the lake. I mean, what do you do when that happens, and how do you come back? That's where I think a coach psychologically has to be beneficial to those kids. Yeah. That's essential to me. No, for sure. It is. Because it's it's a building block on life. You know, I gave the example a few weeks ago. Early in the season, my brother was playing Juco ball. He was brought in as a 90% free throw shooter. He played a good game. I think we were down by one, and he had two free throws at the end of the game, which is the position 
that when the coach went to recruit him, when he offered him, he said, we need a guy to do this. How many air balls did he shoot of those two? Not air balls, but they both clanked. They both were ugly. And I told you, the, the coach said, and I, and, I, and I like this. My brother was a grown man. This was college. And he said, uh, 90, 90, uh, 90% free throw shooter, my A, you effing suck. Somebody get me a point guard. <laughs> but after that game, I told my brother, you know, like not a lot of people get to be in that situation to even fail. You know, so and you're going to fail, but you're going to have so many more of these opportunities to, to to redeem yourself. So, like, I think that's important. And the coach did talk to him and apologize <laughs> and said, you know, like he was just in the heat of the moment. But well, that's good. But at the same time, see, when I hear that, what that tells me is how many other times has that coach said stuff to kids or young men? And he didn't have somebody like me to reinforce. Yeah, and they, they, they're, you know, and they're not uh, surrounded by a support system. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about helicopter parents. Helicopter parents, you know, are always overly protective of their kids. And that's not, you know, uh, what I'm not getting at is defending those people. Because you have to learn how to deal with failure. You have to learn how to handle that, and that's where a good coach will. will and I'm going to use a great example when when my oldest son Jonathan, who just became a father last week, congrats. Thank you. I'm now a grandfather. It's pretty weird to say that too. I'm a grandfather. <laughs> um, when when Jonathan played for Jeff Montgomery's uh, baseball team, the Mustangs, one of the reasons I had Jeff co-author my book with me with Pete Malone. When kids would screw up or fail, Jeff, Jeff, you know, if they, if 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 they weren't trying, they had a bad attitude. Is one thing, but if if kids screwed up and failed, he would coach them. He would say, "Look, in practice, we're going to work on this." You know, if a pitcher didn't do well and they come out of the game, he'd have them sit next to him on the bench and say, "Look, we're going to work on your delivery at practice. Don't worry about it. You're going to get better. You know, we're going to work on this. You'll improve. There's some things I think you can do." Whereas I've had so many kids that have come into my office who've had coaches, I mean, at the youth sport level, get angry at them, scream at them, yell at them because they made a mistake. And I've talked numerous times in this show about this young girl, eighth grade softball player, star of the team, played first base. She had two hits in her first two at-bats. Next up at, at, at playing first base, there's a ball that she misplayed. Went through her legs, a couple runs scored. The coach sitting on the bucket, kicks, gets up, kicks the bucket, kicks the fence. The bats hats fall off the the bat rack, and pulls her out of the game. Takes her out, sits her on the bench, and glares at her. She's crying. Doesn't say anything to her. You know the parents went up behind her and, and just said a few words to her from behind the fence. You know, just basically just. Keep it together. We'll do it this later. And then the dad went up to the coach afterwards. The game was over. I said, listen, I, I want to meet you tomorrow for coffee. They were friends. Yeah. Not best friends, but friends. He said, I'd like to get together. So coach said, all right. And he goes, listen, I, I'm unhappy with the way you treated my daughter. We need to talk about it. And the dad was together. He wasn't, you know. Lose, losing his control. Yeah. And they went out, and, and he said, look, my daughter made a mistake. She misplayed the ball. 
why'd you take her out of the game? Well, we can't we can't afford to lose these games. That was the coach's response, and the dad's like, "We can afford to win and lose. It's a game, yeah. you know." And so now my daughter, you didn't say a word to on the bench. She was crying. She was upset. She knew she screwed up, but you took her out and glared at her. What good did that do? And to this coach's credit, the dad said he sort of stepped back mentally and said, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And then they had a conversation. He then said, I want to talk to your daughter today after school. Can I talk to her? Come over and talk to her. So he came over to their house, and they sat down and talked with the parents. He apologized. said, look, I was so caught up in winning, I didn't handle that right. Now, to his credit, he acknowledged he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, fortunately for her, and then she'd been working on me with some other things, and, and fortunately we had been working on that, so he was able to handle that. But, but fortunately for her, she had her parents' right of mind to instead of blowing up and going, I want to get in a fight to coach, saying, hey, let's let's talk. So I think so much of that's about, I think, a good coach. I, I You know, I was saying, Cavell, a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach is a sports psychologist. Good coaches are willing to look at themselves when the team doesn't play well or when the team plays well. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? And how did I affect these kids I'm coaching? You know, no one's called up yet today. I know there are people out there listening who are coaches. I'd love to hear from you about the role you play with the people you coach and how important is the psychological aspect of it. How important is mental training for you as a coach? Do you have that in your coaching training? Is there education on self-confidence, how to build it, how to destroy it? Is there education on how to deal with stress, how to deal with tension, how to deal with pressure, how to deal with failure, negativity? Or does your, you know, when your ego gets involved, I have another saying a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach. It's about the athletes. And that's that's not the easiest thing to do because coaches, they're involved with what's going on. But I think at the youth sport level, they have to realize it's not about them. It's about the kids. All right, our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. Get your opinion on what, what I'm talking about today, what Covell and I are discussing. Because I think this is, you know, in, in the end, if you have a, an, an athlete who makes it to the collegiate level, they survived youth sports and high school sports, obviously, because they made it there. But they survived it also psychologically from some of the stuff that goes on. So if you're a coach, how important is mental training? How important is understanding your athlete's psyches? Do you think that should take a priority over anything else, or is that secondary? 913 is the number. Give me a call and let's talk. We're on Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., as you know, talking about the mental side of sports. And today I brought up this topic. Mental training for coaches, should they have it? Do Does, does your coach have psychological training. If you're a coach, do you have psychological training? No one's called up with this yet. I'm surprised. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. Do you do you get trained in your coaching training 
about coaching confidence, about dealing with stress, about dealing with negativity, about dealing with failure, about dealing with a, a negative attitude? Or is that just something you're just assumed to know? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'd love to hear from you, get your thoughts on that. And what do you do when you have a, have a player who doesn't do well, who screws up, who fails, drops a key pass at the key point of the game, or strikes out? How do you handle that? Or do you know how to handle that? I think a lot of people just aren't sure what to do. And, you know, I, I've used this example before years ago when my youngest son, Gregory, played rec baseball. Rec baseball, I will point out, not club baseball. We were sitting behind the, the fence waiting to play the next game. And the team in front of us, which had kids on it from the, the same neighborhood we, we live in, were playing. One of the young men got to second base and the coach... And the dugout was encouraging him to steal third. This young man took about three steps and tripped and fell flat in his face. The coach turns around, and our team was sitting right behind the fence. The coach turns around, kicks the fence. The bats and helmets all fall off the bat. Racky takes his hat and slams it on the ground and kicks it. And this young man gets up, comes shuffling into the dugout. He then grabs him by his neck, throws him against the fence, holding off about three inches off the ground, I'll let you know, and yelling at him, at which point I stepped up and said, hey, what are you doing? The guy had a few choice words for me, dropped him, at which point the first base coach came in and grabbed him and said, what are you doing? And the guy's glaring at me. I then went off and got this young man's dad, who wasn't even paying attention because, you know, he was just there having a good time, and comes back over. Anyway, the long and short of it is, this was 12-year-old baseball. When this young man was a sophomore in high school, the dad called me and said, I need to bring John in to see you. John came in to see me because, and he was at this point over six feet tall, real strapping, athletic young man. He said, Dr. Jacobs, my confidence has been gone ever since that, that incident in, in rec baseball. And, you know, they, dad should have brought him in to talk to me then. But he didn't. But nonetheless, we worked on it. He got over it. But, you know, why would a coach, why would a, a, a coach of 12-year-old kids let his ego become so big that that happens? And that's where I think if a coach has the right training mentally, I don't think you're going to do that. I mean, Cavell, what do you think about that? No, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it should be a requirement. And... But then you get into like what type of training and how how extensive exactly yeah how extensive and what does it need to be what needs to be involved but but there should be some kind of education and coaching training programs about you know a, a, a section on let's talk about kids or young men young women and their confidence yeah and their focus and their mindset. And let's talk about coaching failure. What do you do when you when your kids fail? And I, I, I excuse me, I, I've done seminars, but I've given speeches before. And I recall, my gosh, this is probably twenty years ago. I talked to a, a bunch of softball coaches, about eighty of them, and I brought this up. What do you you know what when when young girl on your team makes a bad mistake, strikes out, makes an error? What do you do? 
And I saw a few of these guys in the audience sort of smirk. And you know, several people raised their hands. We had a conversation. But there, you could tell there were a few guys out there. Uh, this is all ridiculous stuff. I don't need to deal with this. You got to toughen them up. Because it takes time. It's, a, it's something to do. It's something else to do, and they think that's not their job. Right. And it's like, not my job to, to get into their head. They just need to play and do their job. And if not, they're off the team. You know, well, if you've played sports and you, you've, you've grown up, you've graduated from sports, you've moved on in life, I'm sure you've had a situation with a coach when you were younger that has left a great positive experience with you. And more than likely, you've also had a couple situations with some coaches that left a bad taste in your mouth, usually because they got mad at you because you screwed up. Now, you mentioned with your brother, okay, stuff's happened with him. He yeah. played collegiate football, so... Basketball. Uh, basketball, sorry. Okay. So you were going to share something during the, the break. Go ahead. So yeah, during the AAU days, I'm not going to say the team. No, don't mention yeah, it. I've, I've, coached, I've coached on several teams. We played on several teams. and But, um, but you know, yeah, my, my brother's always he was always been ahead of, you know, his team. He's always been a good point guard. But it was a, it was a time in there where he, like I said, if, if he made a mistake, he was scared of making mistakes because – if he wasn't playing perfect, then he'd get penalized for it. If he so okay, well, so hold on. He was scared of making mistakes. He get penalized. Is that because when he was younger, when he made a mistake, someone got mad at him? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Coaches like he'd ter- have a t- he'd get a steal and then have a turnover, and coach would send somebody to the bench, go get him, and then so like the next until the next dead ball, he just. Waiting to get out the game, you know he's wait. He, kn- he knows he's coming out the game. Then he gets taken out the game, and he's out for a while. Now he's like, all right, so I have to play perfect. So that made him play tight, and he, you know, he's he's kind of overcome it quite a bit. But it's still something I'm sure is in the back of his head a little bit because that's that's what happens, you know. Like, so there's a four letter word that plays a key role here. It starts with an F, ends with R. Fear. Fear. There you go. Yes. Fear. I mean, we're all, we're all have fears. We all have fearful things. But that fear of making a mistake because of the memory of getting yelled at or insulted or, you know, talked poorly to by your teammates or coaches, especially coaches, Yeah, that, that plays such a key role. So I think that's where, I mean, I don't care what sport you play. You know, the, the greatest NCAA basketball championship game performance was by Bill Walton. I think it was 1972. He missed one shot. He went, I think, 21 for 22 or 22 for 23. Missed one shot. Didn't make every shot. Missed a shot. Yeah. Nobody, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, last week in the Chiefs-Jets game had two bad interceptions. Unlike him. Well, he's taken ownership of it. He says, hey, I've got to do better. I've got to be, you know, he looks at himself and, and says, I've got to work on this. You know, you didn't see him go to the sideline and Andy Reid throws headset down and Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, scream at him. They sat down, looked at the iPad, and figured out what he was doing. That's what. That's why this, these coaches are such good coaches. Yeah. Because they, they, you know, when in the first Chiefs game of the year, Kadarius Tony was dropping passes, had one go through his hands that resulted in a touchdown for the Lions. Had that not happened, the Chiefs would be 4-0, not 3-1. and You know, you don't see the coaches, you know, berating him 
I remember at that game, I saw him braiding himself on the sideline. Yeah, watching watching from my seat. You know, he was. But several players came up with their arms around. You know, their arms around. Hey, it's okay. Let's just move on. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, in the the media, you heard Andy Reid say, "Look, we're going to work on it. He's a good player." But you know, we talked about him on the show after that that game. Social media, he was destroyed by Chiefs fans. Destroyed by him, you know. But I'm sitting here thinking, let's see, in the Super Bowl, the last game he played, by the way, because he didn't play in any preseason games, he was hurt. He returned a punt almost for a touchdown. It's it's what have you done for me lately. Well. In a lot of cases. But at the professional level, if, you, if you've made it to the professional level, you've had to, to understand when you screwed up, when you failed, because they're all everybody's failed. What do I do? What do I learn from this? I'm working with a college player right now. He's a defensive lineman at a school back in the East Coast. And you know, in our, our session the other day, he said, "Doctor Jacobs, I I had a really bad game this week." So what went on? Well, his grandfather had passed away that week, and he was on his mind, and he said, "I just." I just couldn't really get myself into the game. Well, the coaches knew his grandfather passed away. They were very supportive of him. They said, look, you know what? It's okay. You know what? It's okay because you're going to come back next week. You've you've just been down in the dumps. That's good coaching. And that's the whole thing I'm trying to emphasize here, that I think if you really look at, at how you coach success and failure, how you deal with it, it has a lot to do with how you were trained to handle that. And that's where the mental aspect is so important if you're a coach. I think you have to understand that and deal with that. All right, we've got a caller. Who is it, Cavell? Good morning. Yes, who's this? Hey, this is Aaron. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry for the late call here. I was listening to your show, enjoying it, and, and I wanted to put a little input uh Former high school coach, current elementary principal, and I love your show. I think there's a lot of good stuff that you talk about. And I think one thing kind of wrapping this up with young coaches uh, or any coaches is, uh, you know, I always try to look at every situation with good intent. And I think if you if you pull back the layers as adults and coaches and bring kids in and just say, hey, what's your intent? You know, did you – want to make the play or not want to make the play. And every time a kid's going to say, I wanted to make the play. And then you have a solid base where you can move forward. That's what I want for you also. I want you to make the play. You want to make the play. So now let's figure out what we can do to practice uh, or look at situations through a different lens so we can both achieve what we want to. So, Eric, if I can jump in. So the thing, we've just got about 30 seconds left here. Thanks for your call. So, so the thing is, you're not getting angry at them. You're trying to help them. That's what, Absolutely. Co- that's what coaching is. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's hard to pull back those layers to find what you're even with. You know, what's, what are we at? And, you know, I deal with it with parents as an elementary principal. There's always something, if I pull back enough layers, and normally it is, I want what's best for your kid, and you want what's best for your kid. So let's build. That's our starting point. Let's build from right there. Eric, thanks for your call. Call in earlier next time, sir. I'd love to have a, a more extensive conversation start. with you about this. I was drinking too much coffee and enjoying it. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Have a great day. 
Okay, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Like I said, our shows are podcasted everywhere on my website, winnersunlimited.com, here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, all the major podcast apps. If you'd like to reach me, you can get a hold of me at my office, which is 816-561-5556. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. And I do give talks on these topics a lot. If you'd like to have me come speak to your team, your organization, get a hold of me. Love to hear from you. Have a great week. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week on The Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.